Welcome, everybody, to the Slow Twitch Podcast. We are on episode nine. We have done it nine times. Almost ten. It is pretty funny how small we are at this. I wouldn't say small. We're new. I mean, we've we've got, this is nine episodes in. We're, We're a fledgling podcast, you know? I know. And everyone makes fun of us for being small. Uh, well, they love to. They love to make fun of us. They're like, "Oh, they've got no viewership." I'm like, "Dude, we just started, man. What do you expect?" These things happen. They take time. Yeah, they do. Yeah, slow growth. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing today, man? I am under caffeinated, as evidenced by the sip of coffee I just took. As you're asking me that question, but otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we're uh, we're drying out up here. Um, yeah, you've had some weather, haven't you? Uh, yeah. So my daughter had a swim meet in Vermont on Saturday, and um, I was supposed to ride my bike from my house up there. The route that I was going to take had a mudslide on it, so couldn't do that. We drove back through uh, town and stopped and got lunch at a place, and literally that place has been on the news the last two days because it has eight feet of water in it now. Um, yeah. just unbelievable flooding up here. It's interesting because, you know, under a month ago we had 70.3 Western mass in the Connecticut rivers where the swim was. And the river is now 32 feet above flood stage right there. Like wow. just unreal. And unfortunately, it sounds like we're locked into that weather pattern for the next three weeks, too. So um, it'll be particularly interesting for a race that we will be at, which is Ironman Lake Placid, um, and just whether or not like they experience the amount of rain that we have just, you know, 50 miles to the east of there. Yeah, I mean, it was... I wasn't there last year. I was there two years ago and it was, um, it was really rainy two years ago. Placid. Yeah. I mean it, the running joke is, is pack everything for Lake Placid because that race could it could be 38 degrees on race morning. Um, the swim may or may not be wetsuit legal. If you're trying to go for a world championship slot, it will rain at some point during the bike. Don't stress. There's a lot of world champ slots up for for grabs. Um, it'll be the last chance qualifier for men, which will be yeah. interesting. And then uh, women get the month of August to roll through on yeah. slots. You know, I don't think it'll be too interesting. I I think when it gets interesting is when twenty uh, twenty four stuff becomes available. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be telling because because right now I think we're, you know, it, it's it's a split year. It's the first time it's a split year. It's it was never going to sell out with the time frame in which it was supposed to happen. It just it just wasn't. We're still not in that spot where people have the money or the desire to 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 split up their vacations and go do these things. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and also there's just not enough women that want to go to a world championship either. Like there's just not, I, I mean, I think it was always going to be, um, progressive growth on yeah. the, on the women's side. Right. Like we all, I think we all kind Which of was Iron Man's plan too, right. that they just didn't want to admit, you know, I mean, and you know, uh, Andrew Messick in an interview he gave to Tim Hemming at Triathlete kind of talked about, you know, like, yes, we understand that the optics don't look amazing of slots rolling and rolling and rolling. But, you know, like that's what happened when we launched the two day 70.3 worlds, too. And now it has really kind of become a thing. It's sort of the field of dreams. If we build it, they will come. And it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, being in year one. And we're still emerging from the pandemic. People's spending habits are a little bit different in terms of the kinds of experiences that they really want to um, have. And so, you know, if you are 
a couple that races and both of you had happened to be on kind of that world championship bubble, right? Like you're, you're pretty much forced into a situation of which are we going to? Cause you're not going to go to both, right? Like one person's going to race and you know, are you going to go to Nice if in the men's race, or are you going to go? Why, but, but why not? Why, why can't they go to both? I'm, I mean, just straight from a disposable income standpoint, right? Like, yeah, you, but I don't think that really that makes a difference. I don't, I don't, I. But it, it makes a difference, but I don't think that it makes that big of a difference when you're talking about the type of individual, the majority type of individual that's in triathlon. I, I just don't. I think their disposable income is that high. Like, I mean, you're talking about individuals that show up to a race and they buy a fifteen thousand dollar bike at the race. I mean, I, I just find it hard to believe. I had this, I had this conversation with, um, uh, a, a professional female athlete, um, when I was at swim run, uh, Maine last weekend. Yep. And, um, you know, we were, we were talking about Kona and Nice and disposable incomes and, you know, things like that. And, um, and, and she was talking about how, you know, it's really hard you know, because of the, the split and she, she blazed the, you know, she blamed the disposable income on the split. And I asked her, I was like, how many races have you been to this year? She's like eight. I'm like, so you've gone to eight races, but you can't go to it. Like, just don't go to one of those races. Just don't go to the other races. Just don't. But I don't, don't think go people are going vacation. to eight or 10 races, right? Like we're seeing this in terms of just overall participation volume, right? Like people are like, they're changing the way that they're going through a particular race season. I I don't think it's a money thing. And I I don't want to be like disrespectful for anyone because I I mean, I don't like, I can't afford to go to both of those. Um, I don't even know if we're going to go to both of those things. Um, But I, but I do want to, I do want to make sure that it's, I think at the end of the day, what it is, is, is people don't want to go outside of their regions right now, because I, I, I think it goes back to the, I don't want to be screwed again because Iron Man screwed them for two years on, and it, you know, and it was COVID and it was all that stuff and it was the hotels and it was the Airbnb, but in their head, they, they attribute that to Iron Man. Right. It's Iron Man's fault that, you know, Kona's Airbnbs are super expensive and that Airbnbs and other places have, you know, canceled without giving deposits and all those things. Right. So they, they blame it on Iron Man. And I think they're just a little fearful of of that. I, I don't think that it's that they can't afford it. I think that it's they just don't want to be hosed. So I so think just doing other things. I, I think you're right. You, there's definitely some hesitancy, right, in terms of travel right like this is a discussion that my wife and i have all the time in terms of like we're trying to plan stuff out and we thought oh we're gonna go to europe next year and one of the decision making factors for us was no like we're not going to do that because we don't there's too much uncertainty around like certain policies everything else but the way that we were going to book our travel and so we're instead kind of like pushing that trip off a couple of years and going to choose to do a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the other thing, and I think you're touching upon this in terms of the way that people associate like the experience like ties back to the one event, right? Like it, it was the, the race organizer or um, the brand that screwed them, right? When, you know, like you have a whole host of other kind of contingencies that may or may not have been involved in that. But at the end, like the thing that people tend to focus on and the thing that they expect more out of, right? Like people are expect more out of an Ironman or, or a different race series than perhaps like any other um, business transaction that they may have for recreation, leisure, etc. Like there's so much invested. And I think it comes down to there's so many other costs, right? Like 
there's your bike, there's your wetsuit, there's your coach, there's your the food you bought, the lot like everything is so um it is expensive, right? Like it's hard to do one of these races quote unquote cheaply. Um that people expect more out of an Ironman or a challenge than perhaps like that $700 entry fee really kind of entitles you to. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very true. And you've got, you know, points and, and that's why I said earlier, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens because my gut it hap- is, is that the slots aren't going to roll down as much because at that point it's going to be a reset of people that know what they're doing, or at least have a better idea of what they're trying to do when they go there. So they're more purposeful instead of just trying to get a race done. Yeah. Um, and the idea that, that they could go to, you know, their own world championship has been there for a year. Uh, because I talked to a lot of people about whether they're going to, you know, Nice this year. They're like, Nope. I'm like, where are you going to go to Kona next year? And they're like, yep. And a lot of females that are like, are you going to go to Kona this year? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, are you going to go to Nice next year? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I think that's right. Like 2023 is kind of that feeling out process of yeah. like we're resetting into whatever the new normal is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're also seeing kind of the planning processes go on with race calendars right like we're we're seeing iron man launch what events they're going to have in the 23 24 qualification cycle and everything else there's a good schedule by the way yeah i mean i think there's still some holes in that schedule right like the the one that's all over our forum right now is like when's lanzarote gonna get uh announced which it will right like um you know, that's the difference between a licensed and a mm-hmm. fully owned and operated race, right? Much easier to say what the dates are um, when you control everything. Um, but, you know, looking at the North American schedule, like there's still kind of a pretty big hole in, from May and June, right? Like we have Texas and then there's nothing in the spring, um, at least for a full distance race. So I think, you know, we'll probably see one other race shift its date to kind of backfill that. But we're getting kind of back to the quote unquote classic North American schedule where, you know, you have the big tent poles uh, standing out there. And then a couple of the additions like Chattanooga has been uh, one of the real kind of successes of the last 10 years of a new race launch. Yeah, it's going to be a good year next year. Um, and I think we're going to see kind of participation continue to rebound as people get to a point. But, um, you know, it'll be I think it's going to be growth next year for whatever the world championships schedule looks like, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we've wasted 15 minutes of our listeners ears on our opinions on Kona slots and these slots. <laughs> Maybe we should recap the weekend. Well, I mean, it's less the weekend. And I mean, it was a big week, I suppose, for since we last talked. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, very briefly. Right. Like from a from a racing standpoint uh, in Switzerland, Jan van Berkel getting his kind of fairy tale ending to his professional career. Um, Capturing that race, I think it was for the fourth time. Um, and it wound up really kind of neatly bookending his career. Cause I think his first win was there and taking his last oh, one wow. as well. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know the full history on it. Yeah. It's always cool to see somebody that announces their retirement and then they go and they win something really good. Like uh, another kind of compelling race. Um, I have to say that the last couple of broadcasts, you know, between Roth and then the frankfurt last week and then this um seeing those races in europe like at some point it it does get a little bit of a bug because you look at the quality of the roads and kind of the 
the drama that goes on there. Um, it just seems to be at a slightly higher level, like from a spectator standpoint, you know, like they just, they well, get that stuff up. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 The culture's there. They, you know, people, people get excited to, to go out to watch the races, <laughs> you know, they don't um, get ticked off and, um, it, and they, and they've been there for so long that it's part of that, that history of those towns. And so they, they really do do a, a really good job with those races. And, um, I get what you're saying. Like when I was, when I was at, I haven't had a desire to do an Ironman for probably seven or eight years. That was when my desire to do Ironman kind of died from a distant standpoint. Like I like the halves. I like the Olympics. I, I really like the exterior races. Those are manageable. Um, but when I went to, you know, oddly enough, that when I went to Ultraman Arizona, I was like, I actually think I would like this because it's just, you know, it's three days. You get a just break. Do your own pace. Yeah. You know, you're around like your people that are doing all of your support and it's just fun and it's like a huge challenge. And then I went to Roth and I was just like, I think I would want to do this race someday, you know, and, and I haven't had that desire for a long time. And I, I think it's just because of the the environment it it rings true to what we started out with with when it when we came into the sport where there was a lot of spectators and you know there's a great you know expo and there was you know cool unique things that were happening and then just all of these people cheering all of these other people on that that are out there doing it and, and i mean I, I think you hit upon this in your conversation with felix a couple of weeks ago where like it's embedded in the community, right? Like, and he's done a phenomenal job there. I think what's interesting about the last couple of Ironman broadcasts, right, is they've done a very good job integrating those races and like the experience for both athletes and spectators into that community, right? Like that's where a multi-loop run course really works. Right. So that way you can see somebody multiple times. It's not like, you know, at Lake Placid two loop run course, you know, you may not see your athlete for two, two and a half hours at a time, like while they're running, like let alone yeah. the, the bike. Right. And so um, it it makes it a much harder day for people to want to be out there because you don't see as much going on. Um, and so like, that was just one of those things where I'm like, Oh, like that's something that we probably need to pull across. And as we're thinking about how races get permitted and everything else, like that actually like drives engagement. Like that's what helps get the environment and the experience that you need to deliver. Yeah. So do you think the new CEO of Ironman is going to get all of that stuff? Do you think that the old CEO, the current CEO understood that? Let's let's talk, let's talk about the, the big Andrew Messick's announcement. Slightly burying the lead here. Um, but yeah, so Andrew Messick announced his retirement last week. Um, and there were uh, there are many gnashing of teeth and plenty of cheering, um, which is kind of like a really interesting social media environment more cheering to operate than there in. Was. Than there, in, in, a, in a, yeah, I think there was more cheering in a positive way than there was a gnashing of teeth. It, it seems like, you know, just like anything in in social media world, the the negative Nancys out there uh, definitely have a strong voice because they they choose to voice it. Um, where, you know, most of the time, the rest of us just whatever we're going right. to go on with our our, our lives. Um, but, um, you know, what we were talking about before we, we hit record was, um, you know, it's been fascinating to me to, to kind of group, there's, there's like three camps, at least on our, on our form of, of Andrew Messick, retiree, um, you know, people that want to talk about it. And, uh, the first camp are, are obviously the people that just hate the guy and they just, they can't wait to like see him gone. Right? right. And they're, they're very vocal about it. And then there's the, the, the camp of, and, and it, you know, you look at these, these form, you know, cause, cause 
we can see where these people are from and blah, blah, blah. Cause we have the keys to do that. And, you know, and they've been on there for a long time and, um, and, and, and they seem to be the ones that probably had jobs like Andrew and not to say that they've been CEOs of like these, these big, you know, Ironman events, but, but they've, but they've had like, you know, high up positions in large corporations and, and they, they just kind of get it. Like they understand, like no one's perfect, um, that he didn't make, you know, massive mistakes. Like the mistakes that he made were like in the, in the real scheme of things they are like, they're pretty small. Um, and so, you know, and they're, and they're just like, man, he did a good job, you know? And, and then the, the third camp, which I, I kind of feel is, is funny are the, the ones that are now all of a sudden, <clears throat> I call them the, the future feared, uh, they're fearful because they, they realize how much shit they gave this guy over the last 10 years. And, uh, and, and, and now they're, they're, I think they're a little fearful that they don't really know what's coming next. Right. And, and, and so they're like, they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, he did a really good job. Even, you know, even though I gave him a lot of hard time about this and this, and I mean, there was probably like 20 posts on the forum about that. Like the exact thing, like, oh yeah, like, you know, I gave him a hard time about this, even though I gave him a hard time, man, he really did a good job. And, you know, you're just like, well then if he was doing a good job, like why bust his balls? Like, you know, well, like, I mean, so, uh, one, I think that goes back to what we were saying, right? Like triathlon is a weirdly insular sport where we we tend to eat our own. Um, yeah. And so um, because we put so much value on Ironman because they are the biggest brand in, in the room, um, we hold them to a different standard than, you know, any other race production company or anything else. And Andrew was always going to wind up having some hatred, right? Like he talked about this in his interview where like, that's, that's part of the job. And especially it's especially part of the job when your, uh, your mission statement is to radically transform that business, right? Like yeah. Ironman was a licensing company for a long time. And now they are the largest mass event production company in the world, right? Like they put on more of these events and it's not just like, to be clear, it's not just triathlon. Like that brand has been stepping into running and trail running and mountain biking. Like, Chances are, like, if you do any of those, you have knowingly or unknowingly been an Ironman customer. Yeah, and, and a lot of those brands wouldn't even exist anymore if if that entity didn't take them on. Like, rock and roll would have been gone. Yeah, like, it I mean, they were, competitor was really looking to kind of get out of a lot of what they were doing. Oh, they had to. They right? weren't looking. They had to. Like, um, they... <laughs> It was either that or like bankruptcy. Right. And, and so like from the metric of, you know, you look at the growth and the number of Ironman and Ironman 70.3 races worldwide, the total number of participants that they have on an annual basis, right? Like Andrew's tenure has to be looked at as being really successful from that regard. Now, what part of that change from a licensing company to, you know, wholly owned and operated, right? Like it does change some of the community feel that you get from certain events, right? Like it becomes slightly more cookie cutter and that, that has good aspects to it, right? Like you race an Ironman race, you know exactly what the hell you're going to get, right? But at the same time, you know, like you're not going to have a personal relationship with the race director, right? It's it's different in in that regard. And, you know, for some people, um, that's a change that they're not they don't like. Right. Like they they miss that component of things. It's a lot like, you know, when you're in college and you find some underground band right and then like 
they start getting slightly more popular and that's cool. But then, you know, oh, they signed a record deal and they've sold out now, right? Like, I feel like a lot of triathletes feel like, oh, Iron Man sold out. Like, I'm over it, right? And so um, they don't want to have kind of that somewhat corporate experience. And, and that's hard, right? Because like, how else do you have standards and practices and things that, you know, keep athletes safe, right? Um, I mean, I just, I go back to like, you look at the volume of races that that brand puts on and just, they, they do it better than anybody else. They do at that level. Yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, there's, there's, there's better experiences out there. Um, individually. Right. Um, you know, but like, for example, I would probably, you know, I mean, go to one that's Steve Del Monte races, you know, like Delmos, right? Like you're going to have a, probably a better experience at one of his races than you will at an Ironman event outside of like the fact that you've got a goal to go do an Ironman. But when it comes to like, you know, just the, the local feel and the little things and, you know, all that kind of stuff, like, you're going to get a better kick out of it because it's going to remind you of what you started. And that is that grassroots thing, and right? On but, a bigger level, but you growth. can't compare that to like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but you just can't, you can't do those things when you go to mass market, which is, the, which is sad. And I think, you know, maybe that is where people uh, misplace their rage is, is just the lack of understanding of, of that. And that's kind of where I go back to like, you know, the, the three camps of Andrew Messick's is because there's, there's people that, that, um, just hate the guy for whatever reason. And there's, and there's things to, to dislike, you know, I mean, he's not perfect. No one is, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Like I got a lot of people that don't like me. You got people that don't like you. Like, it's just going to happen. Right. Like, um, but why do you really hate the guy? You know, like what, what did he really do to you? You know? Um, and, and then, and then you've got the, the people that understand and they're just like, whatever. And then you've got the people that, you know, they don't, they're a little afraid of what's coming next because Brian, who, and that was another thing that was, was fascinating to me was the angry people that, 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 that they were mad that there wasn't like an already like person ready to step into the role. Like he's not being pushed out from the board. He's not being fired. Like he's legit retiring. Yeah. And so like he's, he's, so there's no point in looking for someone yet. Like, cause he's, he's, he's got six months. You know, having been through like succession planning and those kinds of experiences, it's not unusual for there not to be, you know, a named successor ready to go. Right. Like no, at, at this at point, um, particularly it, it happens at sometimes it doesn't happen at other times. There no. is no, like, this is how it's gotta be. If this were board motivated, right? Like it would have like tender a uh, resignation or announced his retirement with immediate effect, right? Like it would have been more clear on that front. The way that, um, like to be very clear, right? Like you and I have both been on the receiving end of scathing emails from Iron Man before and from Andrew personally, oh, yeah. right? Like, and I do want to make mention of there is a Sports Illustrated profile of David Stern, who, you know, Andrew worked for when he was at the NBA. Read that and you will completely understand Andrew Messick's management style. Um, when when dealing with people where he views uh, in terms of the way that he, you know, Iron Man's not an easy company to work for, right? Like it can be difficult. This industry is very challenging. We tend to burn through people a lot, but the boss guy is going to defend you till he's blue in the face. Like he's always going to like get his arms out and protect the brand. And he does a phenomenal job for the brand and the people that work for him. Like, and so like when we're talking about what's next, right? Like who's going to step into that kind of role and fill those shoes? 
um, you know, it, it gets challenging because, you know, we as an industry are very hard to work for. So we don't tend to have like a deep pool of people who are, you know, really ready to go. And especially where Iron Man has transformed its business into what it is today, you know, like you wear a lot of different hats in that CEO role and you have a lot of different stakeholders that you have to be dealing with. Um, and so, you know, like we've talked kind of off air a little bit about a couple of names that we think might be on a search committee or like that. Well, you did. I have no clue. <laughs> because I think I don't think this. Iron Man has a clue at, at this point. I, I, I really don't. I don't. If I think if if you ask them who's going to take over, I don't. I, I think they might have some opinions on it, but I don't think they have a clue. So, I mean, really briefly, right? Um, I think you know they're going to hire us like they're going to go through a search committee they're going to have a third party involved right because advance and orkila capital are going to have some degree of oversight in, or insight into this process um if you are talking about people who have dedicated triathlon experience right like the first name and the one that keeps coming back up in my head is former USA T head Rocky Harris, right? Like helming that organization in what is arguably your biggest marketplace. Someone who shares the same kind of passion um, for the racing side of things is an athlete himself. Like that has to be a name that like at least intrigue somebody if he's interested, right? So, so who else, right? Like, so interestingly, right? Like the one other name that's out there, Sam Rainoff, right? Like, yes, he's at the PTO right now, but like, Iron Man has had. Wait, for real? What that guy? What him? Yes, Sam. Sam. Oh my gosh! So. And the reason why I bring up Sam is because of his time at Active Network, right? Like if there's an Iron Man's just so just to be clear, I've I've never really sat down with Sam. So I I don't I have an opinion of the PTO. Yes. But I, I don't have an opinion of Sam outside of the PTO. So yeah. I I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut on, That's a, on this one. But good, but good choice. Good choice. But but my but but my WTF got triggered when when you said him to go run Ironman. So two reasons for but, that. But could it be? Could this be the PGA, the Live Tour merger, Ryan? Could this be it? Is this what Advanced Sports is doing? So one, um, they need Saudi money for that. But two. Um, you never know. Here's the reason why I mentioned Sam. So Sam was at Active Network for a long time, right? Um, Active it continues to be the race registration platform of choice for Iron Man. Iron Man's biggest problem that they have today is on customer data and being able to actually have and build relationships and journey mapping for their athletes. And that's something that Sam has had a fair bit of experience with the other reason, right? Like if we want to talk about, but they can't even put on a successful age group race. He doesn't need to be able to put on a successful age group race, right? Like he needs, like we're talking about, Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me <laughs> think he, about your statement in that role. <laughs> the CEO doesn't need to necessarily have the experience of pure race production. Right. Like if you're talking about. No, he doesn't. He, he would need to just be able to trust the people that are in place. At Iron right. Man. And uh, I mean, as I think potentially like the operations team at Ironman is second to none. Right. Like that's true. Very, very true. But if we're talking people who need to have the experience on the data side and also have, you know, a fair amount of triathlon experience, like that's somebody that you should probably be talking to. Um, Kimo Seymour at uh, Lifetime, 
right? Ah, uh, there's no way. There's no way he'll come over. He he's done with triathlon. You, I love. Kimo. You think so? Ah, he's ah uh, uh, he he, dude. He's so happy at at Lifetime and gravel and like he. What I what I was talking to him about. Tons of money. Well, I I know, but like he's just he's over it, man. Like he he's so happy riding on dirt, like. <laughs> He would do an amazing job, though. That so that's talented. why, right? Um, and the, honestly, from an internal standpoint, the only person I could think of is Diana Birch. Yeah, yeah, she would be good. I would, I would, you know, I would. Chemo, you're not listening to this podcast because it's triathlon based. But uh, come on over, man. We'd love to have you, and uh, and also Diana. Like Diana would be an amazing CEO at this. So I think Diana, right? Like uh, from a familiar face standpoint being like, would be very popular with uh, the existing subset of triathlon participants, right? Like long time world championship RD, right? Like has a fair amount of experience on that front. What I don't know is you know the rest of the c-suite stuff right like where you know you're having to close certain partnership deals and everything else like is that going to be like and really talking about when you're trying to pursue any kind of non-endemic partnership agreements right like is that the right person yeah i i really hope that they find someone that can restructure their sales team over at Ironman so that, cause I, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to name names particularly, but there's, there's some replacements that need to happen over there. Um, it, it, or, or, or not even, not even replacements. They, they just need to relax when it comes to endemic, sponsorships i mean they just they need to go back to their roots they they need to support the endemic brands um you know i mean go go get your big money from big companies outside the sport but you know the it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that the expo is a complete disaster these days and in that most endemic you know companies that ultimately are what driving the sport to any sort of growth don't want to work with Iron Man at all because the rules, regulations, the price tags. I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, the endemics are, are kind of what the media was three or four years ago where the media didn't want to work with Iron Man because the rules were so stringent that we couldn't get anything done. Right. And, you know, the, the PR communications team, after hearing our complaints for so long, finally did something about it. And and I do hope that that at some point sooner than later that Iron Man starts to realize that from an endemic, you know, industry standpoint when it comes to, you know, these, cause there's, there's companies that are doing really, really well in triathlon that still don't have the money to go do all the expo space. Um, and that's a problem. Like when you've got the companies that are selling a lot, making a lot and, and would sell more if they went to an expo that are like, nah, I can't go. It's too expensive. Like that's a, that's a problem. And then when you go to the expo and it's a, it's a ghost town. I mean, and it literally is, it's a ghost town. The expo experience at Ironman's majority of the time in North America sucks. Like it's horrible. Yeah. It, I think this is partially why, like when we're talking about like outside of our industry, right? Like you probably are going to talk to somebody who is in either a live events production or amusements kind of basis where like you're used to having kind of that um, ancillary retail business, right? Like in all of the sales associated with the expo, right? Because that that is one of Iron Man's major profit centers is the the retail setup. Um, and so having people who have the experience on an events production side with the the retail business, like that's where, you know, someone from like a live nation or, you know, a major event 
company. Like that's just the other direction that I could see them wanting to talk to. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, like Iron Man, if you guys are listening, go to Roth next year, just go check it out. They do it. They do a really good job. They make all their money that they need to make. Their merch is sold out, but there's also, you know, tons of vendors there and people are hanging out for days and they walk away from that experience wanting to go do that race or at least go back and watch it again because it's, it's awesome. And it's what you used to have 10, 15 years ago that you've slowly gotten away from. Um, you know, your big retail tent is not an expo. It's a huge retail tent and it's usually pretty hot and it's usually pretty chaotic and it's probably too expensive. And just take a chill pill a little bit. Like get back to the basics, man. I want to see hot dog stands at an expo. Like, I don't have those anymore. I don't think uh, the majority of athletes are going to be desiring a grease missile in the middle of things, but like those lemonade stands oh, yes, are where it's will. at. Afterwards, pff, yeah, dude, they carb fuel, man. I, it's meat in you. Th- literally, the thing, one of the things I am most looking forward to about going to Lake Placid is the freaking lemonade stand that's right as soon yeah, as you walk good. into the. Um, there's a particular coffee shop too at Lake Placid. I forget the name of it, but it it oversees. It's like this little tiny coffee oh, shop. Oh, right across the street. Yeah. Yep. Yes, but it's yeah, it's 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 good, man. It's good. Um so, but with with Mastix retiring, you know, it, it is interesting to see the you know, he was he was on a couple of the podcasts that really railed him before um he went back on those podcasts to talk about things. And I think he's been pretty transparent and um, about why he's doing it. And it's been good to read all of the stuff and um, you know, we'll see what happens over the next four or five months um, as he's still at the helm, uh, at least for the, the two big world championships. Um, so we'll be, we'll be following along. I know Dan Enfield's got a couple more articles that he's still going to write particularly about um Andrew in his tenure at, uh, at Ironman. And we'll, we'll probably have him at the podcast again at some point. Um, I was going to say like something closer to either a named successor or um, anything else where, you know, he just, and then we can really ask him the hard questions, Ryan, the hard questions. We can ask him those. Does he regret you renting a helicopter? I don't think he was around. He wasn't. Around oh, that was pre. Then. Yeah, yeah, that Damn was pre Andrew. That I guarantee you that would have never happened if Andrew was at the helm. Like, I just don't think that would have happened. But, anyways, so I do want to talk a little bit about my weekend and where I was at. Um, and this kind of goes back to a little bit of a reminder of just why triathlon is in the state that it is and where it, it like this refresher is, is kind of good. Um, so I went to the, um, the swim run odyssey event in Portland, Maine. And, um, it's, it's, it's run by our, our good old times, slow twitch friend Lars. And, uh, and then there's Aaron and John yep. that run those events. And, um, so I, I have never had a desire to do a swim run ever. Uh, because swim is not something that I particularly enjoy. It's not something that I'm really good at. I'm always like, I get out of the swim and I'm super grateful that the swim is done. And it's like, it's time to get on the bike and go for a bike ride. Um, but man, they're cool. Like they're, they're really cool. Um, and I was shocked at the, the advancements of the equipment that uh, particularly the company arc is doing with swim run stuff. I mean, like I I felt like I was watching a bunch of Navy seals cruise around, um, you know, these, these foggy islands. So, so the race, unfortunately didn't get canceled, but um, at at first I I thought that they should cancel it just because it was like, it was such a cluster for a couple of hours, but at the same time, they're just trying to figure out what to do because they had this, this massive dense fog roll in like a day before the race. And, uh, there was a chance that it was going to lift, but then it just didn't. And so we were, um, out there and, and 
you know, you've got all of these, these group of islands out in Maine mm-hmm. that, that essentially these swim runners were going to. So there was a short course distance, there was a long course distance, and there was a ferry that took the long course out. And then there was a ferry that took the short course out. And because the short course started two hours after the long course did so that they all kind of finished at the same time. And so, um, so we were on the boat and, and we couldn't see, we couldn't see shit, man. Like we, it was like 40, 50 yards and, and, and it was just pure white. Like wasn't, it wasn't happening. Ugly. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, so we, we got out there and, and they, and they, they didn't cancel the race, um, because they wanted to see what they could do with the course. They wanted to see if they could do something for the athletes in a safe manner. And so it was delayed about an hour or so. Um, and then the, the long course was, so they, they figured out that they could, that they could do this, these running loops around this particular Island, and then they could swim back and forth from one Island to another so that the athletes, um, you know, they got like nine miles of running and like two, two and a half miles of swimming, but it was on this like loop course. And, um, and so, but what was fascinating was I kind of felt like I was in Europe again when it came to the attitudes of the racers, because no one was pissed. Like everyone was just like, yeah, this kind of sucks, but this is kind of how it goes. And, and everybody gathered together and it was that small town feel again of like, athletes just wanting to go out and to exercise, you know, like very little of them were there for, you know, this, this, I've got to beat everyone here. Like, they're like, I just want to go do this cool adventure in Maine, you know, and swim from at, you know, from Island to Island. And yeah, it's not going to be 14 islands that I get to see, but it's going to be a couple and it's going to be kind of cool. And so they were able to get the long course started and then, um, and then they kind of regrouped and they got the short course started and, and it was, it was just cool, man. Like, I think I'm going to sign up for one of these things. Like, I think I'm going to get back in the pool and start swimming So to do a swim run. So that's part of, right. Like this event diversification, right? Like people are choosing to find different experiences rather than doing the same stuff over and over right like if you were to pull um, that group of athletes and the numbers of triathlons that they've probably done right in a given year and what they would have done seven or eight years ago where it's like oh i would have done you know four 70.3s and an iron man in the same season right now it's like oh i went and did this swim run and i'm doing gravel race and i'm doing 170.3 right and what that does is um because you're getting so many different experiences out of it like you're likely to hang out longer in the sport right yeah i mean and it's yeah if if you haven't checked it out if you're listening to the podcast Go to odysseyswimrun.com and and look at the race schedule that's coming up because there's still a couple more events. Um, they primarily are they're like split. They do a couple on the east coast, they do one on the west coast and like northwest, and then um, and then they do one in, in Austin. I was going to say Austin is the, yeah. the one that's coming to mind, right? Because yeah, and I don't you know I don't I don't know if I've got the the stones to do the one in Maine. Um, I mean, they like, they swim through the ocean, like, and on a lot of bays, and, bay's like, there's fine. a lot of, dude, there's a lot of great white sharks that are in that area, yeah. but <laughs> at which point you don't need to swim fast. You just need to be faster than somebody else. But so, yeah, um, yeah. Um, no, Casco, but, you would uh, be fine in Casco Bay. The, the thing that gets weird there, um, is just the sharks in the no water. it's not even so. sharks it's uh the ocean turns over like every three weeks and so the water temperature could be 68 one day and oh, yeah. it'll turn over and it'll be 55 yeah. the next yeah and that was that was like a big issue that they had with trying to get the short course going which they eventually did but um the t- the, the tides started to change and so what they were 
able to do in the morning during high tide, they weren't able to do right two or three hours later with the, the low tide. And so, you know, one of the reasons why that race did anything except canceling was because the athletes gave the race directors enough time to safely put on some sort of event for the athletes. And, you know, Aaron, who was essentially the one creating the new courses, particularly on the short course, um, you know, he would, he would go up to the microphone and he would make an announcement. And, and every single time up until the time they, they really figured it out and started, there was always like a 15, 20 minute delay that he needed. And, and he was, he was telling me he was, he was nervous every single time he went up there because he was, you know, he, he puts on a lot of triathlons in Houston and he was just, he was nervous because he, he knew he was going to get railed by these athletes. And every single time he went to make an announcement, the athletes would clap and they'd be like, yeah, let's go, you know? And so he would, you know, he was just like, he was inspired basically to go back and be like, all right, we can make this work. And, um, and at the end of the day, like every single athlete was able to do at least a couple hour workout and, um, you know, and then they, they got to the finish line and, um, of course they ran out of beer, which was sad for the athletes, Shame. but, um, how, yeah, how do you they had a lot of good food and, and everyone was just super happy. With, how do you with run out of beer? Um, Rule number you, one. I know, I know. I, 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 I told him that. So, but yeah, swim run, man. Like that's, that's something that, that I, that I want to go do. Like it's, it's pretty rad. I'm a, I'm a fan. So, uh, anything else today, Ryan, that we are going to talk about? No, no, we're done with that. We out. Odyssey Swim Run. Check it out. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Uh, we do have some good guests coming up. Um, Sky Munch has, well, she agreed to be on the podcast at one point, so uh, I'm going to hit her up. And then uh, we've got some other guests coming up as well, which should be entertaining. Um, so, But thanks for listening to our podcast. Yeah. Thanks for joining, everybody. Enjoy your week, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Sounds good.